Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here for this week's episode of Women in the Middle, which is all about a very common emotion that most of us deal with pretty regularly, and it is worry. So many of us spend way too much time on worry. It's a huge time suck, and it's quite draining. So that's what we're going to dive into today. What's up with worry? why you choose to think thoughts that create worry, and how to supervise your mind so you can actually worry less. Sounds pretty good, right? But before we get going, I just wanted to wish you a happy new year. This is the first podcast I'm actually recording in 2018. I had an amazing winter vacation over the break, and I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things. I was actually sailing on a 52-foot catamaran in St. Vincent and the Grenadines with my family. And oh my God, it couldn't have been more fantastic. I don't know if you know where this is. It's a group of islands in the Caribbean near Grenada. So it's way down there and it's just so beautiful. It's, um, it's just got amazing reefs and it, it seems to be pretty unknown. It doesn't seem to be a very busy area. They just got an international airport. So like this year, so it's, um, it's pretty untouched, pretty unknown. So actually this podcast about worry was inspired by a realization that I had on this trip. So I'll be telling you more about that. I hope you also had a good break. I hope you had an amazing time with your family and that the holiday season was what you were hoping for. But right now, I really am hoping that you are thinking about 2018 and how excited you are about what you can accomplish and what opportunities you have going forward. So that's, um, I don't know, I just thought this was a really good topic to kick off the new year. I also want to take a moment to welcome new women in the middle to the podcast. If this is the first time you've tuned in, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really looking forward to your feedback, and I hope that you enjoy the show and getting to know me and getting to know the topics. Um, It's been a lot of fun, and the feedback I've had from women in the middle is that This podcast is really easy to relate to and that we're covering information that's quite relevant and really useful. So one more thing, I want to remind you all about the amazing new contest that I kicked off a few weeks ago in podcast 21 about turning 50 and it's called 50 Unplugged. Yes, that's right. It's for you amazing birthday girls turning 50 this year. So many of my clients who are turning 50 tell me that they really feel this birthday coming on, kind of like a freight train. (laughs) It's a coming, it's a coming. And it feels ominous and heavy. And they notice that they feel something is off. And they start to wonder if 
this is all there really is. Are they wasting time? Is life passing them by somehow? They talk about feeling frustrated and tired, definitely tired of feeling stagnant. And this is where the idea of the contest came from. The lead up to turning 50 can be really interesting with a wide range of feelings and surprising thoughts. So I really think it's the perfect time to think about how you want to leave your 40s. Don't be surprised by any of it. Create the experience you want for this big milestone. It's not a good idea to just gloss over it. So if you're turning 50 in 2018, this contest is for you. You'll have a chance to win a guest spot with me here on Women in the Middle podcast, some free coaching, and even my three-month signature one-on-one coaching package. So just go to susierosenstein.com slash 50 unplugged contest to learn more. You can also find this link in the show notes. Also, make sure to share this contest with your amazing friends who are turning 50 so that they can get in on the fun. Let's do this, ladies. It's a good one. All right, let's get to the topic of the day. Why you choose worry. Sounds a bit weird, right? I know it must sound weird to think that I'm suggesting that you actually choose to worry on purpose. And it's weird because it's so negative, so uncomfortable. I don't think any of you guys really like to worry. Worry can easily lead to an all-out freakout sometimes. And I know you probably know what I mean, but we choose it anyway. How many of you have been there, done that? When I say that you choose it, what I'm referring to is the thought model. Now, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you're probably remember that I use the thought model quite often. Actually, it's in everything we talk about. Now, the thought model is a tool that I use to help you sort out and get perspective on what's going on in your mind. There are five different parts to the model. So let's do a quick review. First, there's something we call a circumstance or a fact, and this is what happens or what has happened. It's factual. It's black and white. Everybody in a room would agree exactly on this thing. Then we've got thoughts. Thoughts are sentences in your mind about the circumstance or the fact. Thoughts are subjective. These thoughts are optional and they create feelings and feelings drive your behavior. Then your behavior creates your results, which always prove your thoughts. This thought model is pretty much the secret sauce of the universe. It's super helpful to understand what's going on up there in your mind. So listen to episode two of the podcast if you would like more information, more context for the model. Uh, It originates from Brooke Castillo's work at the Life Coach School, which is where I was trained. I'll put the episode link in the show notes so that you can find it easily. So the reason I just reviewed the model was to point out where feelings come from. They come from your thoughts, not your circumstances. They come from your thoughts. So when you take an emotion like worry, it can get a bit confusing because worry really feels like it comes directly from whatever it is that you're worried about. It doesn't feel like you have a choice. So let's take a look at the definition for worry. It's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems right? I know you're smiling. Synonyms for worry are things like anxiety, distress, concern, uneasiness, restlessness, nervousness, stress, apprehension, 
angst, things like that. Now, remember, worry really doesn't feel optional to most of you. Let's look at something specific, like if your husband is on a flight home and there's a snowstorm, you might start to worry. Or if your kid traveled back to college and didn't call you when he got there, you might start to worry. Both of these examples feel like the worry is coming from the thing that happened. It's really common to think about it like this. It doesn't feel optional at all. But as you can see from the thought model, there's something in between the circumstance and the feeling, always, and it's a thought. Circumstances are actually neutral. It's your thoughts about the circumstance that isn't neutral. A thought isn't neutral. So thoughts about circumstances aren't neutral at all. For me, my typical thought is something like this. It's dangerous. They're going to die. <laughs> I know I know that there are some of you right now agreeing that your go-to immediate thought that causes worry is also the worst case scenario. The thought that creates immediate worry for me is absolutely like something like that. It's dangerous. I'm going to die or it's dangerous. They're going to die. I actually think that. And, you know, it's not that easy to talk to people about it because, you know, if you're not the type of person that has a thought that goes to the worst case scenario like that, uh, people can be pretty, you know, they can have opinions about you. <laughs> but I know that you guys, my lovely women in the middle out there listening right now, there are more than a few of you that are nodding in agreement and understanding. So that thought that creates immediate worry is something like that. Or for you, it might be something else. Maybe you don't go right to it's dangerous, they're going to die. But you probably go to something bad, something negative that creates worry, or you wouldn't understand what I was talking about at all. So the example with my son happened last night. The weather in Toronto has been super horrible lately, and you know that I don't like the cold. I podcast. I did a podcast about being grouchy about it, about winter, but I digress. I don't want to talk about that right now. The temperature was minus 22 degrees Celsius, so that's about minus seven or so Fahrenheit. Horrible, right? My kid also thought it was horrible, so I couldn't drive him back. It's about an hour and a half away, and he was going back to school after the holiday. He usually takes the bus. But because the weather was so super cold, it was a total drag and he didn't want to deal with public transportation. So he lined up a drive share. A drive share is when you grab a ride with another student heading back to the same school, someone that you don't know. And then you just you just kick in for gas. Now, I didn't like this whole getting into a car with a stranger thing, as you can imagine. Even though I have a son, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it was unappealing, but I also understood how the weather was unappealing. And my kid is an adult and he didn't want to deal with public transportation and I couldn't drive him back. So I just decided I needed to cope with whatever was going on in my brain at that moment and let, let him deal with his life. So I drove him to the pickup point and I asked him to call me when he got there. Not unreasonable, right? Please call me when you get home. Of course, he didn't. You know what happened next. I started to worry. Not because he didn't call, which was the circumstance or the fact. I waited about 30 minutes when I thought he should have been home. 
no call, no text. But it was because of what I made that mean, which, of course, was something horrible. My thought was that he had a car accident. Of course, I didn't know this driver, even though the road conditions seemed okay. I don't know the driver. So it's this thought about a car crash that was actually freaking me out, not the neutral fact that there was no call or no text. So I started texting him. No answer. Now, this was pretty odd because this kid returns texts immediately. I sent him a Facebook message. No answer. Then I thought to myself, oh, oh, my God, like the reason he's not answering, like I let another 20 minutes go by is this horrible thing. So I started to feel like I had evidence for this car crash thought. I called him. He picked up right away. He was in a group meeting for a big school project. So what happened was he got back to school in time for his meeting and he got to work. He wasn't in a crash at the side of the highway, unable to call me. That's not what happened at all. Can you relate to this? I could see myself doing this. I had the thought somewhat under control, but not completely. I could see myself. I, you know, I talk about the importance of being a watcher of your thoughts, and I could see that happening. I could see myself watching the thought, feeling the worry. So the good news was I didn't completely freak out, which I have done in the past before I got these mindfulness skills. Like if you would have talked to me about this 10 years ago, I would have been in the bathroom with diarrhea with this sort of thing. Absolutely. So for now, I, I had it somewhat under control, but not completely. The thought did pop in. I did start to get a pit in my stomach, but I didn't uh, take it any farther. I was able to manage it. So remember, thoughts create feelings. Thoughts are optional. So this is why I said that we choose worry. I chose worry. Worry was created by my thinking. Worry is pretty interesting because it pretends to be necessary. It really feels necessary, like there are no other options. There's another example I wanted to share with you from my recent vacation. So imagine this. This vacation was on a 52-foot catamaran and was planned for a year. And as you know, it's tough to line up certain vacations for Christmas week. Because our kids go to different universities with different schedules, we've come to the realization that really the only time that works for us to take a family vacation is the most expensive week of the year, which is this Christmas break. So we need to book early. We need to figure things out way in advance. We do this sailboat timeshare thing. It's a cool company called Tradewinds. And as I mentioned earlier, our trip this year was in the Caribbean. It was in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is kind of close to Grenada down there near the equator. It's pretty remote. We had to go to St. Vincent, which is the larger island, and then get on a pretty interesting ferry to a smaller island called Beckway to get to the marina where we boarded our boat. It's a pretty sweet deal. You get a captain and a first mate, and typically it's a married couple. And I'm just smiling even talking about it because this is usually a, an extremely cool couple, very interesting with really adventurous life experiences that they share throughout the week. 
And our captain was Irish with a super thick accent. And his wife was from Venezuela with also a super thick accent. And they were they were amazing. But the main reason I'm smiling is because they do all the work. Right. You have a crew. They do all the cooking, all the meal prep. You're not even allowed to help clear the table because, you know, the kitchens are small on these boats. It was a 52 foot catamaran, but still it's like a camper and you don't do anything. All you worry about is putting on sunscreen and identifying some of the fish that you see when you're snorkeling. (laughs) Oh, and also taking gravel (laughs) for seasickness. Um, That's it. It is completely worry-free. I have never had a more relaxing vacation than these sailboat trips. Okay, so this boat had four bedrooms. Um, Each bedroom has a bathroom. So our family with three kids, we had three of these bathrooms. uh, Sorry, three of these bedrooms. And then there was another couple from Vancouver. So you can either book the whole boat, like a private booking, or you can just book the bedrooms you need and you get to know whoever else happens to book that other room. And it's really uh, fun. We've had fun every time we've done it. The people that book these trips are interesting, adventurous people. And so this couple was cool. We ended up having a lot of fun with them. All right. So that's it. So after I figured out how to relax, that's when I started to have a good time. So it sounds like, oh my gosh, that is the best vacation. It's so relaxing. And yes, it's relaxing, but it's not relaxing or it wasn't this time until I figured out exactly how to relax. And it surprised me. It really surprised me. So like I said, you women in the middle out there know what it's like to plan and take a vacation. You end up doing most of the prep work to get your family out the door it's pretty exhausting. And once you get to your destination, if you didn't need a vacation before, you definitely need one now. (laughs) So we had planned this trip, like I said, a year in advance. It starts to ramp up. There's all the hubbub of the Christmas holiday and all the stress of getting everything done and getting everybody out the door and all the kids traveling home. And you know, there's a lot that goes on for these Christmas vacations. There's a lot that goes on for any kind of vacation. So when we get there, Finally, to add to my stress, my kids decided that they wanted to be just like their dad and get their scuba certifications. So they had to start working on the the school part of the scuba certification a couple of weeks before we left. And then they needed to do four open dives before we got on the boat because there is scuba included on these trips if you are interested in that. So... I'm not I'm not into scuba at all. I'm a snorkeling gal. I know I love you know that I love whale watching and I I love all things aquatic, but there is something about scuba that just scares me half to death. So forget it. Not for me. <laughs> That's one good thing about being older and wiser. You just, you know, it's less likely that you have to do things like that that you just don't want to do. I do not have to push myself and I do not want to push myself and I'm just not going to be doing that. So I love being a snorkeling gal. But anyway, here are my kids all excited about scuba. For me, it's just one more thing I need to worry about. (laughs) No, now they're not going to be my snorkeling buddies as much as they were before. Now they're going to be 60 feet under. You know, I don't even know what's going on. And I just recognize that up front. Okay, this trip, there's going to be one more giant thing I have to worry about. And like all the other things, I can choose to worry about it or I can get ready to supervise my mind. 
Anyway, the best seat on a catamaran is the dolphin seat. It's way up front. And when you're on a big sail, you sit there. You have to kind of climb through uh, the way the railing is. You sit there and you dangle your legs down off the seat over the water. It's glorious. It is, you know, it's an unobstructed view. You don't see any of the boat. You're just slightly out in front of the boat. And it's the best. It's also the best place not to get seasick. Um, And I just love sitting there. So you can sit there when you are uh, anchored and you can sit there when you're actually in sail, when you're sailing to another island. That's the cool thing about these trips is you're sailing around little coves and little bays and around the islands. The dolphin seat is a great place to watch the world go by as you're sailing across the beautiful ocean with the warm breeze in your hair. It's a great place to think. It's a great place to let your mind wander. It's a great place to worry. (laughs) Yes, as soon as I had a chance to relax, to quiet my mind, to exhale, to breathe, to enjoy, all kinds of thoughts popped into my mind and created worry. It was like the floodgates were open. I sat in that dolphin seat and they flooded my brain. What is wrong with this picture? I had worked so hard and here I was. Here I'm, I am. I'm sitting in that dolphin seat full of worry and stress. Full. I started thinking about skin cancer. I started to think about what would happen if somebody had a medical emergency way out there in the middle of nowhere on this boat. Of course, I started worrying about the kids who would now be diving 60 feet under rather than snorkeling at the surface with me. Then I puked on the first big three-hour sail. And in all of my 54 years, with over 30 years of whale watching, boats and zodiacs and wooden skiffs, and all kinds of stuff and other sailing experiences and whitewater rafting and like all kinds of stuff, not one puke. So the rest of the trip, I worried about puking and becoming seasick again, because this puke was the first sail. Lovely, right? This is my relaxing vacation on a sailboat in the Caribbean. (laughs) So much for that. So my new website was launching while I was away. So I started to worry about that too. If you haven't checked it out yet, it launched on um, January 1st. So head over to www.susierosenstein.com. And I think you're going to really like it. It's super high tech, easy to navigate, looks amazing on your phone. The podcasts are easy to find, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I digress, but it was just another thing I was worried about. So it's kind of funny. For once, I didn't worry about my dog, Nico, who was at our pet sitter's house about a 45 minute drive from our home. I didn't worry about him this trip. That was good. Cross him off the list. But wow, I chose to worry about just about everything else. All kinds of other stuff. Can you relate to what I'm talking about? You work so hard to make things exactly the way you want them. And then it's difficult to relax and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Now, because I've been working on this mindfulness stuff for more than a few years, I'm on to myself I saw what was happening. I knew that I didn't have to be at the effect of my thoughts, that even though the thoughts popped in, I still had control. That is such a good feeling. It is so empowering to know that your thoughts are optional. 
It was a beautiful time, the most beautiful time with the most beautiful scenery. It was such a beautiful time for me to start supervising my mind in a big way. Plus, it gives me something great to talk to you guys about. And it's a reminder that even though I've been working at this for years, it still happens, right? There are still thoughts that create worry in my brain. So I got to work. Remember, worry feels important. We feel so justified feeling worried. It feels so obvious that it, that we should be worried. Like you, when you look at the why you feel worried, it just feels like, yes, of course, I should feel worried. But worry is an emotion, just like any other emotion. It's caused by thoughts, often habitual thoughts, thoughts you've been practicing for years, maybe even decades. And you can see how poisonous these types of thoughts can be. They can really work to keep you from your amazing life. At the Life Coach School, we call worry an indulgent emotion. It's in pretty good company too, right up there with confusion, doubt, and overwhelm. Just lovely. These feelings all pretend to be necessary. Indulgent emotions keep you stuck. They keep you from moving forward. And as I've said before, we choose to think thoughts that create these feelings. So why do we do this? Why do you do this? We all do it. One thing all of these feelings have in common is that they keep us from taking action. Sometimes, like my vacation example, action is really inaction, relaxation, right? Worry was keeping me from relaxing and enjoying my time on this beautiful boat, this beautiful adventure and experience that I planned for so long. And I was with my family and it's not easy to get everybody together. Now, other times these indulgent emotions keep you stuck in a more obvious way so that you don't move forward and take action that, you know, feels like action, unlike relaxation, which doesn't really feel like action. An example of this is always overwhelm and confusion. I'm sure that it's not going to be that difficult for you to think about the last time you felt overwhelmed or confused. It's hard to move forward when you feel like this. Feeling like this ends up serving you in some way. It keeps you from moving forward. Maybe it's hard. Maybe you have to put yourself out there in a new way. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you have to learn something new. So even though you say you want to do these things, it's easier to stay stuck and not grow this way. So you end up indulging in the emotions that keep you stuck. You act like you have no control, but in reality, it's really on purpose. With worry, it's so important to be on the lookout for when you start thinking thoughts like this. You might feel the feelings before you know the thoughts creating them. That's what always happens to me. I get that pit in my stomach before I know the actual thought that I'm thinking. But any which way you look at it, you know something is going on. And that's the beautiful thing about this work is you have this awareness now of connecting your thoughts with your feelings. You don't have to be the effect of these thoughts. Understanding that is life-changing. There's something you can do because you can supervise your brain. The model shows you the way. So here are the four main steps to supervising your brain when you choose to worry. First, Start with being the watcher of your thoughts. This means creating that bit of distance based on the knowledge that you're not your thoughts. You have the ability to see them like up there in thought bubbles, in a cartoon thought bubble. You can see them, but you don't need to be at the effect of them. 
you see them there. You can even say to yourself, okay, thought, <laughs> that, that thought that I'm thinking that's making me go to the worst case scenario. I see you there, but I have the awareness that I am not my thoughts. So take it to the next step. Create the distance and understand and appreciate, accept that you have that awareness. You know that you are creating your feelings with these thoughts, but you don't need to be afraid of them or feel helpless because you have this tool. You have the ability to become a watcher of your thoughts. Second, decide how you want to feel on purpose. This means actually thinking about the emotional experience that you want. Do you want to feel confident? Do you want to feel excited? Do you want to feel calm? Do you want to feel relaxed? When I'm in that dolphin seat, I needed to think, here I am in the dolphin seat, dangling my toes, looking out over the horizon, feeling the the amazing breeze in my hair. Do I want to feel worried? I don't think so. So remember, it's not the circumstance that's creating the worry. It's the thought. So what really matters is what you think about the circumstance and acknowledging it. Your thought is what's creating your feeling and you can decide how you want to feel on purpose. Okay, third, figure out the thought that you would need to think to create that feeling that you really want. The one that you want to feel. The one that you're craving. You know, it's so empowering to remember this third uh, step that it's, you feel the feeling and it's like, you know what? That's not what I want to be feeling right now. What is the feeling I want to feel? I want to feel more calm. Okay, what is the thought I need to think to create calm? It's as simple as that. Fourth, practice thinking the thought. This is how you supervise your brain. You notice what's going on. You decide if it's what you want. You correct the thought if it's not useful to you. And then you practice the useful thought. There you have it, a simple plan to help you supervise your brain so that you can worry less. I have to say, since I've become a life coach, I've seen firsthand how empowering the mindfulness strategies that I teach my clients and students can be. And this is really an example of a strategy that works really well with worry. And in midlife, when we tend to go to worry so often. We choose worry so often in midlife. It's just so good to know that there's something we can do about it. I've seen it with myself too. With my vacation last week, that was an amazing set of examples for y'all. And also in an earlier podcast, I talked to you about um, a health scare and how I was able to manage my mind in a way that I had never been able to do it before. So becoming really good at using the thought model can be life-changing. I've seen it with my students, I've seen it with myself, and I've seen it with my clients. And I'm just so happy to share this information with you because as I said at the beginning of the podcast, worry is such a good example of an emotion that can be such a time suck, so exhausting. <clears throat> so what all of this illustrates is the speed with which we can manufacture our emotions as a result of our thinking. Super fast, it happens within seconds. So my women in the middle out there, your thoughts create your feelings, don't forget it. Every minute of the day, 
every day of the week, even when it comes to what you worry about, always. Mindfulness can really change your life. That's it for this episode. If you would like a copy of my free ebook, 10 Surprising Ways to Bust Out of Your Midlife Funk, head over to my website at suzyrosenstein.com and download your copy there. Let's do this, ladies, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you next week. 